You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Hey everybody, I'm Dan Savage. Welcome to the Savage Lovecast, the once a week I love version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. Before we get to your calls, I just want to say a quick word about sexting, which is the craze sweeping the nation where young people who are uh, minors who have cell phones and Facebook accounts and MySpace accounts and access to the internet and email are and text messages are sending dirty pictures of their own genitalia and tits and ass to each other and Occasionally being arrested, occasionally being bounced out of school, being suspended uh, because, you know, once you take a picture of your own junk when you're a minor and send it somewhere, you're a child pornographer according to the law, which is completely ridiculous. The law needs to catch up with the new technical reality, which is we've put into the hands of all young people the means of uh, pornography production. And of course, they arrive with an interest in pornography and with showing off in our post-Paracelton universe. But what I really want to talk about really quickly was this case in Milwaukee where a kind of troubled gay teenager, 18-year-old, uh, an 18-year-old man according to Fox News, uh, blackmailed a bunch of his uh, fellow students by going online, posing as a girl, getting them to send him naked, dirty pictures of themselves and then using those pictures as blackmail to force those guys or a handful of them into having sex with him. He threatened to send the photos out to their other classmates, to their friends, their parents. Um, and so he uh, then basically coerced these boys into having sex with him. Um, now, just so you know, there's a famous old New Yorker cartoon on the internet. Nobody knows you're a dog and it shows a dog at a computer. On the internet, you don't know if it's a girl. You don't know if it's a boy. You don't know if it's a classmate. You don't know if it's you know the king of Lithuania. You don't know who the hell it is. Don't send it pictures the person on the other end of the line. Don't send anybody pictures of yourself uh, online unless you know goddamn well who they are. And even then, you shouldn't ever email a picture of yourself or text a picture of yourself or sext – I'm rolling my eyes. Maybe you can hear it in my voice – or sext a picture of yourself uh, to someone unless you want that to be on your permanent record because once that's out there, once it's off your phone, once it's off your computer, once it's on someone else's phone, once it's on someone else's computer, it exists forever. And it will follow you potentially all your life. Wherever you go, this picture of your junk will be out there. Now, millions of kids are doing this. You know, I don't want to participate in the sex panic and the, you know, the old grown-up uh, bullshit where we get our panties in a wad about every goddamn thing you young people are doing. Millions of people are out there sending – tens of millions of people, young people are sending dirty pictures of themselves to each other. Most everyone who's doing it is not getting caught or raped or abused or seeing their pictures all over um, porn sites. Most of y'all are getting away with it. But just so you know, you're taking a risk. You can decide for yourself if that's a risk you're willing to assume, if the consequences are something you're willing to assume because of the pleasures of sexting out images of your junk are just so tremendous that you can't resist. But just so you know, you're running a risk. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 21-year-old bisexual woman, and my problem is 
that I can't get my boyfriend to have sex with me outside of our bedroom. Um, a couple nights ago, I wanted to just kind of mess around in the backseat of my car, and even though we were in the middle of like a completely de- deserted parking lot, he just froze up, and he seemed to be like convinced that somebody was going to catch us, and he wouldn't do anything besides kiss me. And um, I'm a little weirded out by that because he's pretty sexually adventurous in the bedroom, um, having the best sex that I've had with him with done with anybody, and. Um, I know that most guys would really like to have sex outside of the bedroom, and, um, you know, I have a pretty long list of places that I'd like to do it, so I don't know what's going on with him. And I was hoping that you would have some sort of suggestion on how I could get him over this weird fear or just have some clue on what's going on in his head. What's going on? He's afraid he's going to get caught. What's going to help him get over it? Doing it a few times and not getting caught and realizing that it is possible to have sex in a semi-public place without getting caught. And if you're straight, the consequences of getting caught having sex in a public place are usually pretty minimal. Usually the cops smile and chuckle and send you on your way. To gay men having sex in public, the cops catch you. You usually get arrested. Uh, But, you know, if he's a boy and you're a girl, you can totally do this. Um... You know, and millions of people do it every day without getting into any trouble. It's kind of like sexting. Lots of people do it. Very few people get in any trouble. Uh, but the few who do get in trouble make the act seem disproportionately risky because we only hear about people having sex in public when they get arrested for having sex in public. So that's probably all your boyfriend's ever heard about. Now, what can you do about it? You can refuse to have sex with him in the bedroom and you can gradually break him. Have sex on the floor just outside the bedroom door. Have sex down the hall. Have sex in the living room. Gradually break him in until you got him fucking you on the front porch. Just refuse to fuck him in a bed. And you can be assertive and fun and sexy about it and just say, you know what? I'm going to fuck the shit out of you this weekend. You know, 11 ways from Sunday. I'm going to You're not going to have a layer of skin left. You're going to be like one of those plastic men in science class, but not in the bed. I'm bored in the bed. We're not fucking in the bed. Any place else, not in the bed. Just throw that out there and throw it out there while you're nuzzling his neck and groping his crotch, all right? And he will will bite. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm 23. I'm uh, a guy. And uh, I identify as straight. You know, I'm attracted to women. Um, you know, I love pussy and all that. Uh, but, uh, there are times, you know, for as long as I can remember from time to time, you know, I've been attracted to certain guys. Um, it's usually more kind of feminine or kind of pretty guys. Um, and I always just kind of brushed it off and was like, oh, you know, it's my mind kind of playing tricks on me or maybe, you know, I'm kind of projecting uh, my attraction to women onto these guys because they're sort of feminine and whatever. Um, but, you know, always in the back of my head, kind of like, oh, that'd be, you know, interested, like kind of interested in maybe experimenting with that. But um, never never really being serious about it. Um, I guess, and then recently, in the last sort of year or so, I've been more interested in trying to explore my sexual kinks or whatever and open up more sexually. I was always kind of prudish and uh, neurotic about sex, and I've been trying to sort of open up to a lot more things. So I was wondering what your take on this sort of is. Like, do you think I'm just kind of projecting a lot of my sort of straight things that I like about women onto sort of some very feminine guys, and it's nothing really, or is this something that I should try to um, explore? 
And if I should, how do I go about doing that? So you want to open up to sexual exploration and you're asking me if you should. If you're asking me, that means you want to and you're looking for someone to tell you, go ahead. So I'm going to tell you to go ahead. Um, kiss a boy. See if you like it. Uh, the femme guys out there would riot and kill me and burn me in effigy uh, in the streets if I encouraged a mostly straight guy who's kind of attracted to uh, – feminine guys not to go for it at least once in your life go for it uh if you're worried about your friends finding out you know that's a consideration i think that may be what you mean by how do i go about exploring this a lot of guys in your position want to explore this without being out about it without coming out about it without just admitting to it and copying to it uh, which would be required of you if you actually hit on somebody or, or messed around with somebody that you met during the regular course of your life, that you met through work or school or friends. You know, I bet that's where you've encountered these guys, these exceptional guys, and they sound like they are exceptions to your usual attraction patterns. You like pussy. You like girls. Every once in a while, there's a guy who's just girly enough that he flips your switch, right? And you encounter them. The next time you meet one of those guys, just be open about it, as I have been open about my attraction to the lesbian firefighter who works up the street. Doesn't mean I'm not gay. Gay, gay, gay. Totally gay. I love the cock like you love the pussy. It's okay for me to say, like, there, that one woman, she is exceptional. I don't know if I'd like it too much if I actually got in bed with her and we actually got naked. And I've passed the point in my life where I really want to explore that anymore because uh, I did go there with some girlies once upon a time. But you're not past that point yet. You need to go explore. You need to get into bed with the guy at least to answer the question for yourself about whether what attracts you to these femi guys is they're sort of like – sort of cool, intoxicating mix of male and female, of feminine uh, traits with a masculine body, you may find that the very first time you're rolling around with one of these dudes and he's you know grinding his hard cock into your crotch, uh, that, that shatters it for you and you're not actually into it. Um, and it was just your brain playing tricks in you. Or you may find when you roll around with one of these guys that you really dig it, that it's never going to be your primary emotional and sexual attachment, a femi guy. But it might be something on the side a little bit every once in a while that brings texture to your sex life, that makes it interesting and compelling and brings you a great deal of pleasure and those femme guys a great deal of pleasure. So yeah, fucking go for it. You asked me, you, what did you expect to hear? Go for it. You didn't even need to wait for a response, right? Do it. You want to do it? Do it. Hey, Dan. I have a girlfriend and uh, lately we've been, we've been together for like four months and lately I've been thinking about like a future together and stuff and I don't know, but for some reason, I kind of want her to be pregnant, and I don't know why. I can't really explain it any further than that. For some reason, I have this overwhelming like urge that I want her to be pregnant. So we, I don't know if it's so we can build a life together or what, and I know it's a stupid decision at like 17. Listen, from now on until you're about 32, I want you to only fuck your girlfriend in the ass. Okay. All right? I want us to avoid all possibility that you may make get her pregnant, knock her up for... <laughs> The wrong reason. Yeah. You know, your impulse uh, to, to, you know, you like her, maybe you feel like you love her, and you're hoping that there's going to be some permanence here, that's great. But your brain is making this weird leap to the way to cement that is to get her pregnant because then, you know, then then you guys are stuck with each other forever. You have a kid. And what you're trying to do is rush a commitment. And the quickest way to destroy a relationship is to rush a commitment. Yeah, and you need to you need to 
when your brain says, wouldn't it be great if she was pregnant? Wouldn't it be magical? We'd be together forever. We'd have this baby. Remember all the divorced people out there with kids? Think of them for a split second, right? Yeah. People your age who marry, fuck, like the whole kids thing. People your age who marry, divorce. Yeah, I don't know. Everything's stacked against you. If you want to ensure, if you think she might be the one, you love her so much you could see yourself being with her for the rest of your life, you know the best way to, to, to make that happen? What's that? Not get her pregnant and not marry her for at least a decade. Uh, All right? Because I'll take your word for it. You know, and there's all sorts of studies coming out now that show that children do not make couples happier. Children uh, make couples miserable. It's not going to cement your love for each other. A child is a trial that a couple endures, and not every relationship survives it. It's not like a kid is a little magic fairy sprite that's going to flit around your relationship, making everything perfect, especially at your ages. Yeah. The kid's going to fuck it all up. Enjoy your young love. Enjoy the bone you've got for her. When that little fucking dumb voice in your head says, wouldn't it be great if she was pregnant? You need to say, yeah, it would be great if she's pregnant. Ten years from now, now shut the fuck up and let me get a blowjob. All right? All right. Don't do it. Please promise me you won't do it. I won't do it. I promise. You know who it would be the the most unfair to? Who's that? The kid. I'm sure. It isn't fair to any potential child you may have. And, it, you know, and it won't be fair to the children that you may one day have with her or with someone else, but the person that you're supposed to have children with, if you've had children at 17 as well, with someone that yeah. you weren't ready to have children with and who wasn't ready to have children with you. You know, straight sex is totally magic, and you guys, you poor straight kids, you have it beaten into your heads that what makes straight sex magic is the babies, right? That you can make life, that your sperm, her eggs, isn't it beautiful? That what's, that's what makes your love transcendent, waka waka. You know what? That's a lie. Yeah. You know what sex is for? What's that? 99.99% of the time, emotional comfort, bonding, an expression of love and intimacy between two people. 99.99% of the time, it has nothing to do with children. You can fully enjoy your sexual interest in her and your sexual intimacy and your connection without having to muck it up with images, mental images of, like, little babies making it all transcendent and magic. All right? Yeah. All right. Don't do it. Stay in high school, go to college, then marry her. If she was the one, she'll still be there and still yeah. be fertile. There's no need to rush it now. Yeah. Got it? Or I'm going to crawl through this phone and fucking kick your ass. You're welcome to do that if you wish, but yeah, I got it. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. I love it. Just quickly pausing before we move on to the next call. I love it when you can hear this sort of tone in their voice where they realize the mistake that they made by giving me their phone number. You can just hear it like creeping into their phone. Like, they're like, oh my God, this is so much more than I bargained for. Can I get off the phone now, please? Can you delete my phone number, please? Please never call me again. Too late. I'm going to be calling you a month from now to check up on your girlfriend and make sure that her uterus is empty. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products to spice up your love life or surprise a special someone. Choose from a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies featuring stars like Jenna Jameson, Carmen Luvana, and Tara Patrick. Visit AdamandEve.com today and receive 50% off any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Uh, hi, Dan. Um, you let me, James. Uh, I am a 25-year-old PM trans guy, um, by the, mostly gay, but 95% gay, I'd say. Um, I transitioned about, uh, well, just after some eight 
birthday, so almost eight years. And, um, you know, it's gone pretty well. I'm uh, very, you know, out in the gay community, and I've had a series of semi-long-term relationships and, you know, with biological gay guys, and, you know, it's worked out fine. Uh, now I'm single again, and I'm getting out there on the on the dating scene, and I, I don't really actually have much of a, a problem in meeting guys and finding appropriate times to disclose to them about me um, and for the most part them being okay with it. Uh, I think what my problem is though is that I have a really hard time once we actually get in bed um, verbalizing what it is that I want and what gets me off and what I want them to do to me. Uh, I think it's twofold. Um, One, you know, I'm not 100% comfortable with my genitalia as is. So talking about it, describing it, these sort of things is quite uncomfortable for me. Secondly, um, even though, you know, I've I've slept with guys that have been fine with what's going on, I I have this thing in my head that basically I think that they're actually, because they're gay men, that they're actually turned off by the fact that I have essentially a pussy, uh, to use your vernacular. Um, And so, you know, I don't want to encourage them to give me head or to fuck me in the front or anything like that uh, because I think that they're going to be turned off by it. Um, You know, I'm fairly into BDSM as, you know, done most of my sex life predominantly as a BDSM top and, you know, which allows me to play and have a sexual release without necessarily being naked and exposing myself and outing myself and that sort of stuff. But, you know, I really miss a good fuck. So um, I'm kind of looking for a bit of help there on how I can express myself and get what it is that uh, I need. Joining me on the phone uh, from his home in an undisclosed nation is Buck Angel, also known as the man with a pussy. And I thought that Buck Angel, who is a, a female-to-male transsexual, correct? Am I using the correct terminology? Don't yep. want to screw this up. No, that's correct. Uh, and sort of boldly embraces uh, his status as man with a pussy. And I've met Buck, and we hung out in Las Vegas once at a adult video entertainment news uh, whack jobathon convention. Uh, and Buck's a man. <laughs> uh, totally vibes as a man. I wanted to bring you in, Buck, to talk about this and give this uh, give this guy some advice. Um, but the first question I want to ask you before we get to the specifics of his problem uh, are, I want to throw this out because I'm sure this ran through the heads of a bunch of listeners. Um, if he's 95% gay, uh, you know, and, and he was originally a woman or he was biologically, physically a, a woman, why transition at all? If you're interested in dudes and you're a woman, you got dudes. So why complicate things by transitioning? Yes, that's a very good question, by the way. Um, because you, most of the guys are not comfortable being a woman in, in, in their skin and who they are. They are. They're a man. But So if you have sex with a man in your, as your appearance is female, people are going to have sex with you as a woman. So to transition to a, to a man, now you're having man-on-man sex, even though you still have a pussy. So, does that make sense to yeah, you? Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. he's a gay so, man in a woman's body. He's not just a yeah. cock in, in any old Exactly. Body. 
Exactly. And the, the fascinating thing to me is a lot of these, a lot of transsexual men weren't even really interested sexually in men till their change. So after their sex change, they became much more interested in having sex with men, which is this whole phenomenon that I'm not even sure, other than I can say for myself, that what happens is the hormones make you super horny. And then you kind of just want to, I think you become more sexual and you become more uh, interested in, in exploring your sexuality. So, so you, you tend Tell to Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become Buck Angel? Well, I, I just, what I did is I realized there wasn't any pornography made for, made with transsexual men in the whole adult industry, world adult industry. So I'm like, this is crazy. You know, I'm in the, I was in the adult industry behind the scenes, and I thought, wow, there's transsexual women porn like crazy, right? And there's no transsexual men porn at all. So I totally invented it. I invented a whole new genre of porn. And you really raised awareness about uh, what I think is an interesting new development in the whole trans scene, which is trans people keeping their genitalia. Yes. And not yes. going in for a phalloplasty if it's an FTM or a mm. vaginoplasty if it's an MTF, but transitioning everything else, the body, uh, mm. the, the, their identity, but leaving the genitals alone. Where exactly. did that movement start and what's the reasoning behind it? It's been forever, but I have to say that I really believe I was on the forefront of that movement in, in a sense that before me, all guys who had pussies were in the closet about it. They didn't talk about it. They wouldn't have sex. They wouldn't even disclose it to partners. A lot of times they would have sex with a strap-on and never tell their partner to touch their pussy or to deal, you know, even having sex with other men, they wouldn't even disclose. They would just do blowjobs or whatever and never take their pants down. So I came along and I really opened that door for men to feel comfortable saying, hey, you know what, I have a pussy, and it does not make me any less of a man, no matter what the world tells you or who tells you that you're not a man because you don't have a penis. So because the, co the cock surgery is so really intense, you know, I just I think that I have to let people know that you have a choice not to get it if you don't want to, and it doesn't make you not a man not to have it. So it sounds like this, this guy isn't comfortable with his genitals the way you are, that he's not comfortable being a man with yeah. a pussy. Right. He, you know, it, what I think, what's really interesting, the first things that, out of his mouth in the call is he's had no problem with the gay guys that he goes to bed with, that they're down with it, right. they're down with him. And I think yes. I'm going to give you some of the credit for that because you really raised my awareness of the Thank you. Pussy. <laughs> when I first encountered your website, people brought it to my attention. And I'm, I'm thinking that's probably what happened with some of these other guys that he met. Um, but if the guys are comfortable with him being mm -hmm. a, a guy with a pussy, what words of advice can you give this guy for him to get comfortable himself as a guy with a pussy like you? Sure. Is the number one thing, well, I have to tell you, my customer base is gay men. That's who buy my movies, who, who want to see me, who want to go to my website, who want to hire me to escort. Is 80 to 90 percent gay men. So I'm telling you, they're totally into it. It's a specific kind of gay men. I think he needs to be comfortable with himself before he can, you know, be comfortable in bed with the situation. So he needs, there's something going on with him that he's not 100 percent comfortable with his pussy, obviously, and that's kind of what he did say. Do you think he's, he's still just, tapped you know, into the idea that having the pussy means he's less of, less yes. of a man? Yes, totally. Yes, I, I definitely think that, and I definitely think How's that, you know, um, a lot of work and a lot of basically just realizing that this is who I am. How I got over it myself was to say, look, I, I'm not going to get that, that cock surgery. It's just never going to happen for me. So I need to either go crawl in a hole somewhere and cry 
or just become super, like, okay with myself and confident of myself. And the minute I started doing that is when everything changed for me. And, you know, people don't act weird to me because I'm so confident in myself and who I am. And obviously everyone knows I have a pussy and it's not an issue. It's just okay. Mm-hmm. So how do so you I, think he should incorporate the genitals that he actually has mm-hmm, into the mm-hmm. sex that he's actually having with these gay mm-hmm. guys that he's attracted to? The gay guys are attracted to his pussy. I'm telling you, they are attracted because those men, first of all, would not be even near him. Of course, there's many gay men who are not attracted to guys like us. But believe me, but there's many gay men that are. So the first thing is if that man is going home with you and he's going to get in bed with you and he already knows you have a pussy, he's into that pussy. and He wants to eat your pussy. He wants to fuck your pussy. He wants to do all kinds of things to your pussy. He's not looking at it as a female thing. He's looking at it as a man with a pussy. And this is hot because maybe a a lot of these guys have wanted to fuck pussy before, but they are not attracted to women. They're attracted to men. So it this really is, a, is a, the total flip side of the completely. straight guys going home with the, the, the she-male escorts. Completely. It's exactly what it is. They exactly. They want a chick with a dick. They don't want yes. a male body. They don't want any male energy. They don't right. want... And, and, you know, stubble on a face. They don't want any illness <laughs> at all, but they want a dick every once in a while. Right. And you are, you're telling us that there are gay guys out there who are... The, you know, parallel to those straight guys. You cannot even imagine how many are coming. Every day I get new emails from guys telling me, oh, my God, I just discovered you. I've thought about guys like you my whole life. I mean, come on. This is, you know, I'm telling you, it's out there. I have so many gay fans. It's like that's my predominant customer base. So I'm telling you, it is there. So he needs to be comfortable first and foremost with himself, and he's not. There's something stopping him from being comfortable with what's between his legs, and he needs to really just kind of take that one step, that one time where he feels super uncomfortable and just let all his, you know, stuff go in his head. And be and aggressive th- about it and, and totally. wield his pussy like, like he's a, a three-foot cock would wield his Completely. cock. <laughs> and he's a top. Like, I'm a top, too. So you're even in a better position when you're in a top because you can totally take control of the situation and do whatever you want. So the next time he goes home with some gay guy, get the, and he's into BDSM, get the guy tied up and then just plant your pussy on his face and grunt. Um, yeah, or sit on his cock and fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Any other words of advice for this guy? Uh, it sounds so simple, like just like accept yeah. yourself and be aggressive about it, and and you gotta <laughs> love what you got and, and and put it out there, right. and be confident, and, and right. that can be a little. Like some people it can't is. just make that leap. No, they can't, and I completely understand that. So I said, it is. It's. It's. It takes its time. You have to take your time with it. But if he's talking about it, and he knows it, and he goes, he's as far as getting into bed with guys. So that is a pretty far, as far as I'm concerned. A lot of guys aren't even that far. So there's just that one little thing that's stopping him, and I, that's why I'm saying he just needs to take that one time where he's super scared and super freaked out by it, and just let it all go and go for it. And I mean, remind himself at every juncture when he picks somebody up and goes home with him that that guy after he's disclosed the mm-hmm. fact that he's a guy with a pussy that guy's into his pussy and he doesn't need to hide yes. it. he's already disclosed it so it's not like he's getting home and like you know whoop, you know whipping it out and then oh my god I have to this guy has a pussy I'm gonna kill him no he's already told the guy the guy already knows the guy's already ready to go believe me the guy's like that's all he's thinking about <laughs> is that pussy <laughs> and I would advise this guy also to watch some of your porn to see how it's done 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and I think and he probably he probably might know who I am, but I don't I don't really know. In the FDM community I'm pretty known in that situation. So and the fact that he called it a pussy, that's a that's a huge step. I mean not a lot of guys even have really the balls to call it a pussy yet. They're still it's my man pussy or my hole or my front part or I mean to to say it's a pussy is I think that he he does know who Buck is. Okay, and he should go, and everybody out there who doesn't know who Buck is yet should go to buckangel.com, B-U-C-K-A-N-G-E-L.com, and learn more about you and what you do, and I think the, the work you do is amazing. Uh, thank you. Thanks for coming on and chatting out with us about this. Thank you so much, Dan. Sure thing. Hi, Dan. Uh, I am a straight woman, married 27 years. I'm a little out of your demographic, and this question is more for Dan the dad than Dan the sexologist. Um I've been married 27 years, as I said, two kids, house, the whole nine yards. Uh, but my husband last year decided that he didn't want to be married anymore and left suddenly. Uh, no arguments, no counseling, no fighting, just sort of a decision to leave, which left me and my two kids, a 14-year-old and an 8-year-old, uh, pretty high and dry. My question has to do with the kids. Um, it's been a hard year for a number of reasons. Um, my dad, their grandfather, died. We lost our two elderly pets. It was just a shitty year, not even counting the last months of George Bush. Um, but um, my daughter, especially the older one, has been doing pretty well. Um, but I did a bad mom thing the other day. Um, I uh, read her journal, um, which she's been keeping for a couple of months, um, I don't mean to make excuses for it, but it's partly because she's doing very well. She does well in school and everything. But I'm just concerned about how the kids are handling all of this. Um, so I peeked. And in peeking, I found out that she had been reading my journal, which is something that I kept um, in part uh, because of the lawyers, uh, just to remember things. Uh, it's mostly financial stuff things I have to think about for the separation and a divorce, but it also contains some of my angry um, notations about their father, including the fact that he had been pressuring me to have sex with other men and had been um, suffering from mental illness for a long time um, and other things that, uh, that at her age she just doesn't need to know. Well, now she does, um, and partly, uh, and I know because I peaked. So I'm just wondering what your advice might be for how I should handle this. She's a great kid. Um, uh, she's the 14-year-old, and she um, just doesn't... I wish I wish that that hadn't happened. I had been keeping my journal in my office in a safe place, but for reasons that are irrelevant, um, she got her hands on it and, and read it straight through. So do you have any advice for me? You know, my feeling in, a, in an instance like this is you know what you know. And you can't pretend that you don't know it. You can't start writing things into your journal and hope that you'll read them and then you can mitigate some right. damage that might have been done. I think you just need to go to her and say, you read my journal. That's how I would approach it. I would go to her and say, you've been reading my journal. And then when she admits that she has, you say, and I read yours. <laughs> and just throw it out there on the table because you need to be able to tell her that you know the reason that it's so relentlessly negative about your father, which I don't want to be, is because I'm keeping this as a record for the divorce, and I, you know I'm not detailing the good times here. <laughs> and then let the chips fall where they may. You know, unfortunately, you know she's 14, and her family life has been disrupted. And it sounds like you guys had a terrible year. 
And the fear will be that she's going to latch on to this as a reason to get angry at you and, and throw at you a lot of you know, the anger that she may have at the universe and death and mortality and her father and just give it to you with both barrels, which often happens to the parent who's the full-time parent and the custodial parent in a case like this, right? And, and you just yeah. take that risk. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it's the nuclear weapon option. You know, she will, you know, uh, which she did, which is why I read the journal, is because she had gotten really very angry about something that wasn't, didn't seem to be, to me, to be so angrifying, though, you know, with a teenager, sometimes you never know. But, um, you know, it just was so, her reaction was so extreme. And what she did was she went and uh, went to her dad's and, you know, for all intents and purposes, moved out. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, for me, just, I mean, of course she knew exactly the weapon to use that would be most hurtful to me right. to leave. And you, and, that, to, and, that, and you have to be the yeah. grown-up in this situation and remind, even though it's painful, and remind yourself that it isn't about you. Mm-hmm. You know, her anger is sloshing around as a 14-year-old uh, in this situation. And, you know, even 14-year-olds whose parents aren't getting divorced, who haven't read horrible things in their mother's journals, have a lot of free-floating anger that they blast at their parents, right? Right. So even if, you know, you'd had a great year instead of a terrible year, you may still, you would probably still have been in for some drama. Mm-hmm. I just need to remind yourself that this is more about her, and your eye needs to be four years in the future. And about the relationship you're going to have with her when she gets through this stage of her life and she is an adult. Mm-hmm. And that's partly going to be based on how you handle her irrationality, her potential irrationality, at this moment. And you have to really kind of be a bit of a punching bag. It's mm-hmm. not about what's fair, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about keeping score. And you have to let her, you have to be the rock and you have to let her be the wave and crash against you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not fair to like. you and after everything else you've been through this year, it's like one more goddamn thing. But we're just, you know, we're gaming out worst-case scenarios here. Perhaps, you know, there have been instances, you know, I'm thinking of my own family's life, where situations like this opened up a dialogue and allowed for people who were dancing around each other to just start really talking and, and were for the good, were for the benefit of everyone involved. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about the worst-case scenario. She freaks out. She gets angry. She runs to your ex-husband. Your soon-to-be ex-husband lashes out at you. Worst case. Best case, you guys can really sit down and have a, uh, an all-band-aids torn-off talk, no-hold-barred talk about where she's at emotionally, where you're at emotionally, what the last year has been like, and how you move forward. It might bring you closer together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's also one of the difficulties for me to gauge how much, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want her to, you know, know everything, obviously, and that's inappropriate, And but just where do you draw that line? You know, where do you, you know, if you want to have that heart-to-heart talk, you know, you, you know, as a parent, you still have to be well, holding back. Her, you have to let her ask questions based on what she read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to answer the ones you can answer, age-appropriate answers. <laughs> and, right. You know, right. while reminding her that she knows things that may disturb her now because she snooped. Mm-hmm. And you snooped at a time in her life when, as a parent, you kind of have a right to snoop. <laughs> and a responsibility to snoop. Yeah. You know, if you had read her diary and there was nothing in there about yours and nothing in there about her taking crazy sexual risks or, you know, shooting heroin, you would have quietly put it away and never said a word and perhaps not read her diary again with some reassurance that she wasn't spinning out of control. You would have 
reestablish your respect for her privacy. Right? But, you know, kids, children don't have an absolute right to privacy. Parents uh-huh. meddle, parents read. We're supposed to. Right. We're supposed right. to. That's our job, you know, because right. kids don't aren't, aren't smart enough to make always the wisest choices at the wisest moments. Kids don't have an uh-huh. absolute right to privacy for that reason. Uh-huh. We meddle. We're supposed to. Right. And you had more of a right to do what you did than she did to do what she did, although she won't see it that way at 14, you know, because kids right. are so hyper about what's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, that's good advice. Well, I hope it all works out for you. I'm really sorry that you've had such a such a rough year. That really sucks. Okay. Good luck. Give us a call sometime. Let us know. Hey, Dan Savage. This is a uh, gay teacher, Sean from Canada, calling up. Um, just finishing listening up to episode 119, um, and and you did something that, quite frankly, is going to cause me no end of grief uh, at school with my colleagues and students who listen to your podcast, and that is the fact that when you were talking to the kid um, who was having problems with ex-girlfriend, you decided to invoke the gay as a substitute for stupid or idiotic or retarded, as you put it, and Dan, come on. Um, I spend my days being the gay drama teacher at my school trying to get kids not to use that as gay. I have to you know, make sure my sister, who is 10 years younger than me, doesn't go around calling things gay. I have friends my own age who are running around calling things gay that are stupid. And it's just not doing us any good. And then when you go and say it, um, in replacement for retarded, which is probably not another good word either, um, it makes those of us who are trying to beat that out of kids uh, that much harder. Um, I would like to think, Dan, that as one of my gay icons out there, that you would know better. And so I really kind of hope that maybe you'll think about retracting it because when they hear people who are gay saying something is gay in relation to something that's really stupid or retarded, the kids get mixed messages, and uh, that's not a good thing, and I will probably have to hear about it at school in the next few days. Um, so I love your show. I love everything you do. I think that you give great advice. Please, please, please don't say the gay as the bad word because um, it's not. I quite like being gay. I'm sorry I used the gay to mean the retarded, and I'm sorry that I used retarded to mean gay. But, you know, uh, and God bless you for fighting the good fight, especially in a high school environment, you know, that testosterone flats. I couldn't work there. Um but I think even we kind of got to have sort of a sense of humor about it while we fight it. I think if we endow that usage of the word with tremendous amounts of power, like it really gets under our skin, it really upsets us, it gives it more currency. I think it's going to extend its life. I think it will burn out soon enough if – we act like, oh, that's really stupid. That's retarded the way you use the word gay. Uh, and I'm gay. Ha, ha, ha. Really funny. Gay is lame. Lame is gay. Uh, if we act – if we let it roll off our backs, even when, even if we're you know in your position trying to get kids to knock it off, we still have to kind of let it roll off our backs. And I actually think it doesn't hurt so much to hear a prominent pole smoker like me uh, toss the word gay out in the same way that the kids do. Because, uh, you know, I don't like it either. I think it's stupid and lame. But it's not the end of the world. Let me get married and you can use gay to mean, you know, whatever you want. You can use it in place of dingleberries. I don't give a shit. Um, and gay, of course, uh, has two meanings. It means happy and it means homo. 
Uh, and we made it mean homo and the people who preferred it to mean happy and loved all those songs from the 20s and 30s that used the word gay in the old sense were kind of annoyed and used to talk about how we ruined the word gay. And it used to be a perfectly lovely word and then we made it gay. And now the kids have made it mean stupid. So it has three meanings. Maybe that's how we can get past this tug of war over the word gay instead of, you know, invest being really invested in trying to yank it back from the kids who have given it this new meaning. Let the kids have it with their own meaning. That's separate and distinct so long as it uh, eventually becomes really separate and distinct. Because right now what they mean when they call something gay is it is like a homosexual. It is lame. It is uh, undesirable uh, because it is like a gay person. But if we can cleft it up, we can cleave it off, we can saw off that limb. So all it means is lame all by itself without any association with us. Maybe that's the way out. But I'm dreaming, of course. There is no way out. We are trapped, trapped forever in this call. Hey, Dan. This is Audrey from Boston. And um, on your last episode, you had Wayne from Truth Wins Out talk about the ex-gay movement. And um, I actually have a bit of a problem that I've been dealing with for the past two years. I had a love affair with a woman. Um, I loved her dearly. And I call it a love affair because it was completely closeted the whole time by her decision, not mine. And she was an ex-gay. And she knew she was leading a double life. She was a serial monogamist in this way. She would date women secretly and break up with them only to return to this to the ex-gay ministry. The relationship ended about a year ago, and I want to get back in touch with her. And the problem I have is I want to help her, um, but I know that she's so deeply entrenched in this ex-gay um, program that she's in that all I'm going to be able to do is to watch her self-destruct, and I don't want to do that. Um, I wish there was a way I could reach her and help her. I'm not in love with her anymore. I don't want anything romantically to do with her. Um, but there's a friendship there that used to be there that I'd like to reconnect with. And I'd also really like to help her out of this horrible, horrible organization um, that is not only destroying um, her life, but it's creating a path of destruction wherever she goes. Um, and I have no doubt that she's going to do this again and again and again with uh, many women that are unsuspecting like I was. I'm sorry. I totally checked out about halfway through your call. Um, so I didn't hear the last half of it because I was looking at pornography on the internet, um, doing something valuable with my time. Uh, I'm looking at the text. She's dating some like twisted closet case bitch who's part of the ex-gay movement and has same-sex relationships on the side so she can remain in good standing with her ex-gay overlords. Is that what the problem was? Fuck her! You know what? And fuck you. I mean that in the nicest possible way. Um, fuck you. You're wasting your time on this bitch. Fuck her. She is a mess. Write her off. Cut her out of your life. Root and branch. She is a waste of your time and a waste of your energy. There are, pe- there are people out there who deserve your sympathy, who deserve your help. Some water-carrying twat in the ex-gay movement who has girlfriends on the side who's having lesbian relationships at the same time she's falling down on her fucking knees in front of her co-religionists and saying that she's not really gay anymore because she found Jesus? Fuck her. The easiest way to help her is to call her and say, you know what, you're a fucking hypocrite and a fucking liar, 
And I hope you fucking burn in your fucking imaginary hell one day. And I want nothing more to do with you. That would be the most loving thing you could possibly do. Because maybe that would pull her that bitch up short. Maybe the problem for her, maybe the reason she's allowed – the reason she's been able to continue on this path for so long is she's charismatic in some way that makes fucking pussy juice drunk lesbos like you cut her so much goddamn slack that you're willing to have these relationships with her while she conducts herself like this in public. Well, she repudiates you and your relationship and everything that you're about and stomps all over your community in her public life and in her private life. You're eating her pussy and you're wanting to hold her fucking hand because she's in so much pain. Fuck her. You know what? And again, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. Fuck you. Drop it. Walk the fuck away. All right, we're going to leave it right fucking there for this week. You know what? And you know what else? Fuck me. Fuck me too. Fuck you, Savage. 206-201-2720. Because I am part of the problem. Because I use the word gay to mean retarded. And that annoys the gays and the retards. It's kind of a twofer. Boy, and gay retards, they hate me so fucking much. 206-201-2720. And, and you know, it really hurts that the gay retards hate me. Because I've always considered myself a part of the gay retard community. 206 201 2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for this gay retard to offer you some advice, uh, give us a buzz at that number. Please include your name, uh, your phone number, in case we want to call you back. We promise not to put it on the podcast. Try to keep it under a minute or two. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week with another gay retarded episode of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.